Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody. It's uh, after Christmas, that between Christmas and New Year's kind of lull that we find ourselves in. But I uh, hope you and your family had a Merry Christmas. Hope that you celebrated the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior over this past holiday season. Hopefully you do that every day if you're a believer because it matters. Uh, I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it here, but you can't have the manger without the cross. You can't have the cross without the manger. So we kind of have these two what we would call holidays, inter- intertwining, but I think these things happen and should happen in our hearts and our minds and our daily lives on a daily basis. We should be worshiping the risen Savior, the one that has saved us from our sin, has saved us from the judgment of God, and uh, we should be worshiping Him. Hopefully you did that. Hopefully you had a great Christmas. Hopefully you're going to have a great New Year. And listen, this is not the place where you come find new tips to be a new you for the new year. This is not that podcast. And uh, so if you're looking for that one, I hope you can stay here and check it out and see what you can find. You're going to find a lot of scripture. You're going to find a lot of things about biblical doctrine because it matters. Matter of fact, that's the title of the podcast, that doctrine matters. Not just any doctrine, but biblical doctrine matters. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to hopefully convey and to talk through biblical doctrine in a way that Everybody can understand it, right? So we've had two episodes so far. We've talked about the reason for biblical doctrine. We've talked about biblical doctrine and some of the the background behind doing this podcast. And we've talked about how doctrine divides on our last episode. And I told you on that last episode that we're going to start to spend several episodes, probably 13, 14, maybe 10 or 11. We'll just have to see how it goes. We're going to start looking at the attributes of God over the next several episodes because Here's the, what I have found in many churches, many people that belong to a church, many people that would call themselves a believer or a Christian, is that I think, for the most part, many of us don't know who God is, or at least the God of the Bible. Uh, A.W. Pink has said this. He says, How vastly different is the God of Scripture from the God of the average pulpit. Now, if you look across the landscape here in America and even I'm seeing some of this stuff come out of Africa. It's it's terrible what pastors are doing. First of all, in Africa, what's happening, there's a pastor over there that's leading his people, his congregation, to eat grass and walk around like a cow and moo. So th- that is not what pastors are supposed to have their congregation do, okay? So that is the need for biblical doctrine. That's the need to understand who God is. But if you look at our churches closer to home, you will find that we have churches in our areas, wherever you may live, that are not promoting the God of the Bible. They have made a God out of themselves. They promote themselves. They exalt themselves, looking for their own self-glory. They will preach sermons to uh, help you be a better you, how to take the five, six, seven steps to do whatever in life. You know what I'm talking about. And that's not what God has called pastors to do. God has called pastors to faithfully proclaim the Word of God as we have it contained in the 66 books. So if you look at many different uh, backgrounds, denominations, cultures in our area, you'll see many churches not preaching the true word of God. And in doing so, we 
the congregation, the people that are attending these churches, don't know the God of the Bible. And when we are confronted with the God of the Bible, the real God of the Bible, then we think he's some mean, frustrated old God that just needs to get a life or something like that, right? Because we can't really fathom how God could be, number one, a jealous God, how God could be all about his glory, and how God is who he says he is in his word. And when we see that, we think, oh, that's old, it's antiquated, that's not the new way of doing things, but... Let's be clear, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there is nothing new under the sun. So there is no way that's new of doing church. Church has been uh, a gathering. An assembly. We're actually going to talk about the doctrine of the church, right? We're going to get into that later. But as the assembly, as the gathered body of believers, as they gather, they worship this holy God, this, and, and they, they fear this holy God. And what's happened in our culture is we do not fear God anymore. And that's translated into what A.W. Pink says, the God of the Scripture is far greater or far different from the God in the average pulpit. We've gotten away from true biblical doctrine. We've gotten away from the attributes of God to really understand and know who He is. So that's why I want to spend the next several episodes just diving in to the attributes of God so that we can get a firm grasp on who God is. Now, if you are interested in knowing some examples, I want to kind of keep it short here of some churches that are major churches that are not preaching the true word of God. I just drop a comment in the links. Go to my Facebook page, Doctrine Matters on Facebook, uh, Doctrine Matters on Instagram. You can leave a message there. You can email Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com to ask for specific examples, maybe that you may know or may not know. But I, I can give you several examples of churches that don't promote the true God of the Bible. And that's uh, upsetting, to say the least, when we see the scriptures and understand who God is. So we're going to look today at the solitariness of God, the aloneness of God. And then we're going to get into uh, the decrees of God. We're going to talk about the knowledge of God, the foreknowledge of God. That's going to be a fun episode. The, the, the God being supreme, the sovereignty of God. The immutability of God. We're going to talk about the holiness of God. We're going to talk about the power of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the patience of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, and we're going to talk about the wrath of God. But today we're going to see that the God of the Bible, He exists alone. Now, I may have mentioned last week that there are many little g gods in Greek mythology that want to promote great things and uh, like God of the weather or God of fertility. But let me tell you something. There is no God that reigns supreme and reigns alone other than the God of the Bible. All of these Greek mythology gods, all these little g gods that are made up and idolized in our lifetime never compare to the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible exist alone. Matter of fact, Exodus chapter 15 verse 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? I can answer that for you, friends. There is no one like the God of the Bible. There is no one that is as majestic in holiness as the Bible says. 
There's no one that is more awesome than the God of the Bible. There's no one that does more glorious deeds and, and miraculous wonders than the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible reigns alone. The Bible even teaches us that he's a jealous God. So that means that he is not going to share his glory with anyone. He is not going to um, share that. He's not going to take a back seat to that. He is not going to not receive his glory, if I, if I can put it that way. God is a jealous God. He wants his glory, and it's his glory that he will get. The Bible says here, Exodus 34, 14, Do not worship any other God, little g-God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So we see that there is no other God that reigns supreme like the God of the Bible. Now, unfortunately, we have been so consumed with ourselves in our culture that we forget who God is. And we, we kind of seek our own glory, we seek, seek our own fame, we seek our own pleasure, we want things our way, and if we don't get things our way, we kind of fuss and, and fight and throw a fit and take our ball and go home. But when we do that, when we get upset because our plans are thwarted, things don't go our way, and we get upset and we throw fits and we just get just seething mad because things didn't go our way, then we are competing with God's glory, and God does not compete with anyone and will not compete with his creation. So that's one thing that we have to understand, that God reigns supreme and he reigns alone. There is no other God like our God. As a matter of fact, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1, it's right there in the first page of your Bible. This says, in the beginning, God, <laughs> Him, by Himself. Now, we'll get into the Trinity of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that, but that's three persons, one God. So we see in the very first verse of Scripture that God, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't say that Zeus was there to help Him. It doesn't say Athena was there to help Him. It doesn't say that any of our little G-gods that we conjure up in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives today were there to help Him. But in the beginning, God alone. Nothing else. Everything was empty. It was void. And then he started speaking things into existence. There is no other person, thing, or anything else on this earth and that will ever be on this earth that could ever speak things into existence. So we have to understand that God reigns supreme. He reigns alone. You know, he didn't have to create anything. But he did. And as a result, he's going to receive his glory from creating it. Because he alone reigns supreme. He alone is God. I want to get that firmly out there. I want us to understand that, that God is one, existing alone, apart from any other thing. He is the only thing that should receive glory. And then when we compete with that, we are in sin. Because everything that we do should be honoring and glorifying to God. I've mentioned this before, that man's primary purpose is to give God glory and enjoy Him forever. Sadly, we've reversed that in our culture, is that we give man glory and enjoy each other forever, totally leaving God out of the equation, but showing up at a place we call church, thinking it's the building, checking off a box, feeling good about ourselves, 
and then going home, patting ourselves on the back and say, you've done your good deed for the week. You've checked the church off your box. But we cannot exalt man. We cannot exalt ourselves and think that we are doing anything good because nothing in us is good. Romans chapter 3 teaches us that there is none that is good. No, not one. There is none that seek after God. So we have to understand that when we compete with God, we are in sin. Because God reigns alone. He exists alone. He is eternal. Which means He is outside of time. That He has always existed. We can't even fathom that in our own human minds. To even think about God as holy and majestic in that way is, is reigning eternally. Because our minds can't fully capable, be capable of understanding outside of time. Right? What I mean by that is we have 24 hours in a day, 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. We have time, but we, when we think about God eternally existing, it kind of starts to blow our minds. But we have to understand that He has eternally existed alone with nobody's help, with not man's help. He, 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 he is God alone. And then we come bring things down and we want to sit on his throne and exalt ourselves or we want to put things in front of him. And that is sinful as well because we are not to make idols out of things. We are not to put things before God, but yet we do. Let's just run through a checklist of our own here. How many times have we picked up our phone and got on Facebook instead of reading the Bible? How many times have we got on our phones and sent a text message or, or called somebody and instead of going to God in prayer and talking to Him? How many times have we turned on the TV instead of leading our families in worship? You see, there's so many things that we put before God that we don't even think about anymore because we have so long removed God from His throne. We have for so long now existed with God when in reality He exists alone. And we have to understand that, that there is none greater than God. There is none equal with God. There will never be anyone or anything equal with God. There will never be anyone or anything greater than God. God is alone, holy, majestic, miraculous, marvelous. All of the adjectives you can come up with, awesome, that's another word that we have just kind of brought down and just like everything is awesome. Can anybody ever seen the the Legos movie? You know, they got that song, everything is awesome. I mean, when that came out, I heard it everywhere. It drove me crazy because listen, everything is not awesome. There's only one that is awesome and that is God Almighty who exists alone, not for our glory, but for his. So we've even taken these adjectives and brought them down to, to mean nothing almost. The word awesome should be ascribed simply to God Almighty as we see it in Scripture. But yet, that's not how we use it. We use it to say our, our meal was awesome. Um, that football game was awesome. That, uh, that car is awesome. Right, Everything that we can think of is awesome, is awesome, and we never think to ascribe that worth and that awesomeness to God who holds that title alone. I want us to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 13. It says this, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. Do you see that right there in Scripture? I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. 
Now, can you imagine where have we gone wrong not fearing the one who gives life to all things, not revering the one who gives life to all things, not worshiping the one who gives life to all things, not falling down in awe of the one who gives life to all things. That life, that breath that you and I have right now, that that in and out, that is not anything that I've manufactured on my own. I did not come up with that breath. I did not make it somehow do it. God has given it as a gift. And every time that we use this breath that is a gift that God has given us to not give him glory, we are robbing him of his glory. And then again, I think in sin, we find ourselves. Now, I know that we live in a fallen world. We are sinful people. We will remain sinful people until Jesus comes back or we go home and stand glorified and perfected in Christ. But we should pursue holiness, and we're going to talk about that as we move forward. But the one who gives life, that breath that he gives us, should be used to worship and exalt him and him alone. Because he exists and reigns alone. God, the one who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. You see those words alone popping up here in 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. And listen, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. You see, that breath that we have, it is to him be the honor. Not to us, not to your favorite preacher down the street, not to your favorite podcast preacher you hear every week on the uh, on iTunes podcast or whatever you find your podcast. It's not it's not that person that we give honor and glory to. Now the Bible does say to honor your father and your mother. It does say to honor the elders and those who labor and preach and teach. But this is a different kind of honor. This is ascribing worth. This is worship. This is bowing down in reverence. This is fearing this God. We do not do that in our culture these days because we don't know who God is. That famous. Uh, and I hate using the word famous, talking about pastors, but pastor and theologian R.C. Sproul says, we don't know who God is. One day I hope to play that that quote, uh, that, for that video clip of him uh, that at, somebody asked at a question and answer, was the punishment too severe uh, as a result of sinning, the first sin? And uh, he says, what's wrong with you people? But he says it a little louder than I just did. Uh, but he says, the problem is we don't know who God is. And that is why I want to do this podcast. This is why you need to understand that God is for God. God is for his glory. God exists and reigns alone. He does not need you. Let me let me say that again. He does not need you. He does not need me. 
He created us so that in what we do, whatever it is that we do, we give him glory through it all. Every time it comes a rain or thunder or, or, or every time a baby is born or we find out someone's pregnant, we don't turn and honor and give glory to Zeus and Athena and all of these other Greek mythology gods that do these things for us, right? We don't turn and think the god of rain or the god of fertility or the god of thunder and lightning and all of these things. Even in the rain, even in a pregnancy that is announced, we should give glory and honor to God because, again, we see in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that it is He who gives life to all things. It's Him that gives life to all things in creation. I'm not going to get in a science lesson or, uh, or a botany lesson or a biology lesson because, quite frankly, I did no good in either of those things, but it's God that gives life to the plants, the trees, the grass. Right? He, he, he covers the grass with flowers. He gives breath to you and I. And that same God that reigns supreme and reigns alone and exists for himself, that gives that life, he's the same God that takes it away. And even when we find ourselves in a situation where God has taken somebody that we love or something that has happened in our lives and we just can't understand it, we still give God glory. You see, we have these mountaintop experiences in life. We have these valley moments in life. We have these in-between moments in life. And, and for those that may not understand that, uh, it's said like this, that you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or coming out of a storm. Uh, one of the three things. So what that means is you're either going through a very tough and trying time right now, or everything is good right now, but a storm's coming. Something eventually is going to go wrong. And if you're a true believer, fleshly, humanly speaking, things should be going wrong a lot more than not, right? But our joy is found in Christ. Our joy is found in who God is. Not in our circumstance, not in who we are, not in what we can do, not in our works, but who God is because it is, it is God who gives and it is God who takes away and either thing that's going on in our life, whether we are experiencing suffering trials and tribulation, or we're experiencing great uh, great joy and, and great circumstances and good things are happening in life, or we're kind of somewhere in between, we should still worship and honor the God of the Bible. We don't just honor Him and worship Him when things are going good. We honor and worship Him at all times and we give glory to him alone you may have heard my little daughter at the end of the intro say soli deo gloria she's simply saying glory to god alone that's all that means is that he doesn't share his glory we don't give it to other people we give it to god alone because he reigns alone the god of the bible is for himself. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't let anybody in this life think that God is for you. It, or don't let anybody fool you into thinking that you're reading yourself into the text, that you're uh, somehow the centerpiece of the story. Let me be clear with you as we start to wind this down. God is for himself. God's glory 
is reserved for him. And listen, if you don't give God glory, he's going to get it some way because he's a jealous God. Remember, we talked about that. He's a jealous God, and he is not going to share glory. He is not going to let some other thing or person or uh, idol get the glory. He is going to get his glory somehow, some way, because that's who God is, because he is for himself. He is not for your glory. He is not for you. However, thank God that he made a way in Christ that we can be reconciled to him because we are born, Romans 5, with a sin nature. We, are in, we inherit the sin nature. We are sinners from birth, separated from God. We are hostile to God. And here's the thing. It's Jesus that bridges that gap. It's Jesus that bled and he died on a cross. He was buried and three days later he rose again. And the Bible says that those who repent of their sin and put their faith in Christ, that believe in their heart that he is Lord, that confess with their mouth that he is Lord, believe in their heart. Um, see, you got to bear with me. I say this so much, I get tongue-tied all the time. For if you confess with your mouth that uh, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So if you believe in your heart that Jesus came, died, and rose again, and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. So you repent of your sin and put your faith in Christ. You acknowledge you are a sinful being and turn from that sin, change the way of thinking about sin, and you put your faith in Christ. And we are thankful that Jesus came and made a way for us to be saved and reconciled to that holy and perfect God. And you see, even though we are rescued and redeemed, it's still not about us because we did nothing to earn God's grace and God's love and that salvation. We're going to talk all about that. That's going to be fun. But there is nothing that we can do to earn God's love. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. It's only by His grace that anyone is saved. It's by His grace and love and mercy. Again, I told you we are going to talk about these, these, these things over the next several episodes. But it is all about God. Even when we are saved, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, the Bible says, but God being rich in love and mercy. You see, everything is about God and His glory. It, the Bible is clear that it's not about giving God some glory, giving this person glory, giving this thing glory, or worshiping this thing. God is for God, and it's all about Him. And we have to understand that the God of the Bible exists alone. He needs no other help. He needs no other gods, because there are not any. There are none that come close. There is nothing in this life or in this world that will, ever, that will ever come close to the awesomeness, holiness, powerful God of the Bible. So I hope that today has been some help. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to drop a comment or a message in the Doctrine Matters podcast Facebook page. The Instagram page is Doctrine Matters, or you can send an email Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and as Todd Friel says, snarky rebukes if you have any of those. Always open for some criticism, for some uh, positive feedback, negative feedback, anything, any questions, concerns you may have. Go ahead and let me know. It's been a, an honor and a blessing to be able to 
do this. Hopefully it's uh, beneficial and encouraging and uplifting for you. Uh, Thank you for listening for those that are. And I look forward to being with you on the next episode as we move into the decrees of God, as we talk about what all God has decreed. And it is God that does these things because God, what? He reigns alone. He exists alone. I want you to take that away from this episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast. God reigns alone. Until next time, when we talk about the decrees of God, I hope you have a great day in the Lord. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.